Welcome to this week 13 edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host. As every time now this season, I believe, we have our co-host and executive producer and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. I've been remarkably consistent. She is broadcasting as usual from the greater Cincinnati area, home of our beloved 10-0 Cincinnati Bearcats, who went on the road to defeat South Florida by 17 points last week. It was especially glorious as I had a South Florida grad here at the house watching the game. Oh, Rebecca was here for the game too, weren't you? I was, and I was, I think, a little bit happier to be there watching the game than our South Florida friend was. I think you're right on that part. Next week, you get a shot, Rebecca. I Okay. The, the Bearcats host SMU there at Historic Nippert Stadium. You could wander right on down if you wanted to. I have tickets to the game. Oh, excellent. There. For those of you without tickets, such as myself, that's 3.30, and I believe on ABC, if I remember right. It might be ESPN. Anyway, Disney owns the channel, whichever it is. That's like 80% of them. Our Bearcats are currently number three in the AP and coaches polls. We are recording right before the college football playoff committee rankings come out. I'm guessing they'll still be number five there. What do you think, Rebecca? At this point, I would be not surprised if they moved us down for winning. So It's always possible. That, that team at number six is Michigan. They've got a big name, right? They sure do. Don't worry. Ohio State will whoop them good, so they'll be gone in a couple of weeks. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, before we get too much farther, I would like to welcome our guests this week. We have Coach uh, Andrew Skeels, head coach of Toledo Christian, who was our champions of the Northern Eight Conference in eight-man football. And they are also our Bruce Monin's Computer Points Podcast State Champions for eight-man football. I'm not sure which title is more prestigious. Maybe we'll ask the coach here. Welcome, Coach. Hi, how are, how are you guys? Doing pretty good. Yeah, we're doing excellent. How about yourself? The season's over now. Get a little, is life a little more relaxing? Uh, I mean, yes, but I have four kids at home. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes football practice might be more relaxing than being home. But I love my kids. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm getting some uh, well-rested time. Okay, I always like to start out when we have a guest to ask you about your uh personal playing and coaching history. So did you do much playing when you were back in high school? Yeah, I, uh, I went to Savannah Southview High School, um, graduated in 2006. I played four years of football there um, under Jim Mazins, and um, I played quarterback and safety. Um, then I, was, I had an opportunity to go, and I played um, at Ohio Dominican for one year. Um, then after that, I came back home, and I actually started coaching under Jim, uh, Jim Mazins at Southview. I was uh, the, one of the freshman football coaches for four years there while I finished up college. That doesn't sound like a uh, unfamiliar story that we hear. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. Learning the college life and college football life was good uh, in the you know in the coaching realm. Just to kind of have that perspective. You know, coming back home, it was good. Uh, it was good to learn from learn from Jim Mazies and, and be able to maybe produce some of the things that he did. I was intrigued when I saw you also teach math. You have a mechanical engineer here, and our co-host is an aero, what is it, officially? Aerospace engineer? Okay. Yes. So. Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been teaching math for uh, for 10 years at Southern Christian. You know, I love it. It's a lot of fun. I try to make it real to them, and 
uh, applicable um, and just, you know, just have fun doing it. I've noticed there's, of course, always some football coaches you find who are your phys ed type teachers, but I'm kind of amazed how many we run into who are math teachers. It seems to uh, somehow work out that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the creativity of math can show can show the football field. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so those math people are known for our creativity. Oh yeah, right. they love it when you break the rules in math. Exactly. <laughs> Work outside the lines. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, I was looking up your team there, Coach. You were finished the year what eight and one this year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, eight and one, and uh, our only loss was to. Lenawin Christian in, in Adrian, Michigan, and they're actually playing on Saturday for a state championship up in Michigan. And they've run through the playoffs pretty well. Um, they're a really well coached and uh, good team. Last year they won the state championship as well, and they went. Um, I think I think they ended up having eleven or twelve games, twelve and zero, and I think they won the state championship by about forty points last year. So this year they, you know, it's a good test. They play a good team. They travel all the way up to the UP to, to play to play that game. So it's a long trip for them. Yeah, that would be. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a ambitious scheduling, I should say, then on your part. Yeah, it was. Last year we had a high-powered offense. You know, we lost, and then we lost ninety percent of them. We lost our quarterback, who had over two hundred two thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards passing. You know, we lost a couple of good receivers. You know, we were hoping that we had them scheduled last year, but with COVID, uh, we we had to cancel that game just, you know, with scheduling. And then, so we were just kind of going to try to make it an every year thing. So this year coming out, you know, we, we just wanted to compete. We wanted to play hard. It, it took us about three quarters to kind of get our footing and kind of learn what our offense was going to be and um, learn how to play defense a little bit better. It was ambitious. So we play them again next year as well. So we're hoping since we, we return everyone except for one guy, uh, we're, we're looking forward to that game next year. I saw a picture showing 21 players on the roster. Is that how the season worked out? Yeah, we ended we ended with twenty. Uh, one guy just uh, he he left the school uh, in the first quarter, but but yeah, we ended with twenty guys, and you know it turned out really well for us. And this is my sixth years or seventh years as coach, and my first three years we were eleven man. My first three years we were eleven man, and we averaged about seventeen to twenty guys. It, it was a struggle to you know convince guys to come play. Um, once once we turned eight man, to be honest, we our numbers kept growing. So it's been a good, a good transition for our school. Um, you know, we have about 65, 70 boys in the whole high school. So, you know, if we get 20 of them playing football, that's a pretty good percentage. So yeah, and we ended with 20 and we're hoping next year to be a little bit bigger since we only lost one senior. We'll probably gain a couple guys next year too. Sounds like you might be a team will be watching as a potential favorite next year then for the Northern eight conference, at least. Yeah, we're, we're hoping to, we're hoping to, and it's nice because, you know, when you win, guys get motivated a little bit more in the offseason. Um, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have to push them to get in the weight room. They're asking you to open it up for them. Um, you know, they're asking you what, what they can do in the springtime and in the summer. And so it's been a good transition, you know, from the first, my first three years, we won four games in three years. So it was, uh, it was pretty rough goings for us. So success, uh, it's been good for our school and good for the guys. The eight-man football is even newer to us than it would be to you. Just something I was noticing in your season, you won eight games in a row after that loss. The average score was 45 to 20, but the uh, team that say challenged you the most here in Ohio was Sandusky St. Mary, and the average score of those games was 19 to 13. Now, we're kind of used to seeing a lot, a lot of these high scores in the eight-man football games. 
I'm just wondering is as teams get more used to it, do you think the scores are going to come down more like what you had in your two games against Sandusky St. Mary there? Yes and no. Uh, you know, there's some schools that, that play in Tennessee or Alabama that I follow on, on Twitter and, you know, they're scoring 70 points. Sometimes it's 70 to 90 and, you know, that that's not where we're going. I don't think. Um, and I think that's a little bit too high and, you know, that's a little bit too, it's, it's bad for defense. I mean, you know, people, they're, they're just not, you know, and they're scoring every play, you know, this year, especially playing St. S. St. Mary, both of us did a really good job of not letting up the big plays, you know, being able to contain that athletes in space was always a big thing. Um, that's kind of what our defense focused on, you know, getting everyone to the ball. And um, when, when, when plays do break, everyone, everyone needs to be chasing them down. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened with Sandusky and us. I mean, they had nine seniors, so they, they were coming out swinging, you know, as hard as they could, you know, so every one of their starters, except for one was, was a senior. So they, they, they'd all been playing for a while. So, you know, I think certain games will go high scoring, certain games won't. It just kind of just depends on, what the teams focus on. Last year we focused more on passing. This year it was a little bit of a mix of both. I don't expect it to be super high scoring, but it will be higher than an 11 man game for sure. I was curious just as a coach if maybe it was easier to figure out the offense half of the eight man football than it was the defense half. It absolutely was. And I mean, I'm an offensive minded coach. So, you know, for me, when, when things opened up, it was like, wow, you know, what, what can't we do? And then we figured out we got to be able to run the ball. And so that's kind of why we lost three games last year and three games year before, because we didn't have a running game. So this year we really focused on, you know, adding, adding, adding an extra uh, tight end that was a good block, you know, just you know, similar to an 11 man game where, you know, we were able to run the football and be, be a little more um, both ways, but as an offensive mind is definitely, definitely it was an easier transition for sure. Do you have anything to add there, Rebecca? Uh, no. I know travel is a big part of the eight-man season. I don't know if you guys see that being a big factor in the future, or if it's going to come down as we get more teams joining. Or... Um, yeah, I think you know that was early on for us, and when we decided to go eight-man, that was like my parents were they were bought in. They're like, hey, we have to travel an hour and a half, two hours every weekend. I want my boys to play, and that's kind of that's that was the that was like okay, let's do this. And up in Michigan, that's kind of what has happened. Smaller schools have kind of gone that way, not all of them. Like there's 85 teams in Michigan that play A-man football. So Lenaway Christian actually, they went to regional finals two years ago in 11 man, but now they had they had to switch to eight man for a couple of reasons, but one of them being travel. They were actually having to travel too far for their 11 man games. So that's why they that was one of the reasons they switched to eight man. But travel in Ohio, yeah, as the teams go up, it'll be easier to schedule. But like our first game, we went all the way down to Zanesville for a game. We went all the way up to Lansing for a game. So, I mean, my, my parents were, they were troopers. I mean, I, and they traveled very far for, for their boys to play football. And it was, it was good to see that. Wrap it up with, is there any rumors of any new eight-man teams next year? Um, you know, I, I, I tell everyone, it's kind of like a catch-22, where, in my opinion, I think if OHSAA said they would sponsor a tournament, I think more teams would join. And then OHSA kind of says, well, we need a certain amount of teams to have a tournament. So it's like, which one's going to give first? In Michigan in 2011, when, when their high school association said, hey, we're going to sponsor a tournament, I think they started out with 25 teams. And 10 years later, there's 85. You know, and it, it's a good brand of football. You know, if, 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 you, if people watch our games, you know, and to be honest, it, it looks better than, than when we were 11, man, you know, because we have the right guys on the field. And, and we're, we're doing all the same things. We're blocking, we're tackling, you know, we're doing all the things that, 
that, that needs to happen. We're developing players. Um, when we were 11, man, a big thing was we just threw a 14-year-old freshman, you know, that was physically ready out there, but he might not have been athletically ready. Um, and that kind of hurt us in the long run because he wasn't able to develop. Um, we played three JV games this year. Next year, we already have three JV games scheduled. So we're going to be able to develop these young guys and, you know, turn them into real football players instead of just, you know, guys that are, oh, I'll play football this year. So we're going to ask coach if he'll stay around for the rest of the podcast here, help us pick a few playoff games. I'm sure you keep an eye on the 11 man teams as well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I say, we'll just go into it. Blow off my whole psych thing up at the top there. Yeah. I think we missed the opportunity. Although I just watched that movie yesterday, Psych 2, and it was fantastic, by the way. <laughs> the and quality the, was maintained. And I started the podcast today, and then halfway through, I decided I have to watch the first. Oh, you've got to watch a lot of talking about the pilot. So, yes. <laughs> We've done the whole conversation now. We might as well give context for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rebecca, let's go straight into our Scores of the Week. Scores of the week. Okay. What do we got? And let's see if you catch the theme of the scores of the week this week. <sighs> okay. Our first score, Wheelersburg 17, Ironton 14. Ironton, game. Ironton had beaten Wheelersburg 40 to 6 back in the week one of the season. So quite the turnaround there. Wheelersburg had an early 28-yard field goal. Ironton scored the next 14 points. Wheelersburg came back late, scored the final 14 for the win. So quite the exciting game down there on the southern border of the state. Hmm. Our second score of the week, and we previewed this one last week, Liberty Center with the upset, 38 to 35 over Archbold. The Nippert of Northern Ohio is holding on to its reputation. And I believe you received a tweet from someone or a text message claiming they may have artificial turf field there now Mm -hmm. either there now or coming in the future i to be fair only got a screenshot of the article and not a link to the actual one and it was not very detailed and just a little picture caption so So any more details would be appreciated from our loyal listeners or we may have to stop in sometime this winter on the way up north on our usual travels we'll have to do some recon yeah yeah they definitely have it They, they they uh and I heard it's really, really nice. Oh, good. <laughs> see, that's why we bring these experts in. <laughs> I just always, when I see the stadium, we drive by more than fairly frequently. And every time I see it, it just kind of reminds me of Cincinnati's Nippert Stadium, the way it kind of built into the ground. Hmm. Never hmm. been there for a game, though. Have to do that someday. But anyway, our guest last week, Mr. Hunsinger, he mentioned that they had a female kicker. And it turns out she's five foot five and 135 pounds, a real brute. <laughs> Name's Carly Roth. She kicked a 27 yard field goal as time expired for the win. Hey, nice. So a little foreshadowing by Mr. Hunsinger last week. Yeah. By the way, we all picked Archbold in that game. We all got it wrong. Yeah. That's the way it goes. I have a feeling that's going to be a trend for the uh, future. <laughs> Finally, our third game, also one we had to make predictions on last week. Ottawa Glandorf 24, Tontagony Otsego 22. In this one, Ottawa Glandorf blocked a 36-yard field goal attempt with 19 seconds remaining on the clock. So another game that came down to a field goal at the end. Sometimes they work, 
Sometimes they don't. Blocking a field goal at the end is pretty impressive, though. Yeah. I don't see that much. Coach, what's your thought on field goal kicking? We we used to have a coach here at Minster who would flat out tell the media how much he hated kicking. So uh, in eight man, as you can imagine, with less guys on the line, it's a lot harder to kick a field goal. Um, so you got to be a lot faster. So we actually, in the last three years, we've kicked zero field goals or zero extra points. So we've gone for two every time. Uh, actually, it's funny because my father-in-law comes in the games, and even when we've been up by 45 points, he's like, you're still going for two. I was like, I was like, we don't kick field goals. So, uh, so yeah, so he's like, oh, he just feels bad for the other team. So, I guess if you know you're never going to kick them, you don't worry about that in practice then, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but if you think about it, you put the kicker and the holder back there, it's eight on six on the line of scrimmage, isn't it? Right, yeah, it's you got to be real quick. So we're going to move into our prediction of the playoff games here for this week. We'll start with how we did last week. Do I not get a guess what the trend was in the scores of the week? Oh, you haven't figured it out yet? I, Other than the difference being a maximum of three points between all of them, they also all seem to be located fairly close to each other, their opponents at least. I don't know if that was the trend. Mostly I was going for games involving field goals. Oh, okay. Well, backdoor rivals works too, sort of. Yeah. Although that tends to happen when you're still in region play. But. And by next week, we will be out of regional play, so that will be gone. Hmm. But for this week, we still are. One last week, we will be determining <laughs> regional champions this week. So but first, let's on. see how we did last week. I'm guessing not well. Well, let's put it this way. If you would have just picked the higher-seeded team, those teams went 7-9 and nine last week. Less than half, 44%. So you had to pick upsets if you wanted to do any good. We did not do that very much. (laughs) If you just went by the computer points, you would have gone eight and eight. There was one Van Wert actually had moved past their, the team seated above them and higher in the computer points as the playoffs went on and they won. So if you went by the team with the most computer points, you got 500. Our guest last week, Mr. Keith Hunsinger, went nine and seven, a good 56%. So did better than the seeds, better than the computer points. Not bad, huh? Our co-host, Rebecca, who claims she knows nothing, also went nine and seven. Hey, nice. I'll take it. And in a major upset from the last two weeks, your host went 11 and five. (laughs) Woohoo! I earned those beers I had at Bud's on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, and the wine we had at uh, the pizza place on Saturday. Oh, yeah. It was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. But finally, we never learn. If we'd have just listened to calpreps.com, it went 12 and 4. It beat <laughs> us all once again. Some One of these days we'll learn, but probably not today, right? Definitely not last week. Definitely not last week. All right. When we mention these games this week, I'm going to add one more data point. Calpreps.com actually rates every game a team plays and gives them a numerical number that says how good of a job they did that game, how good of a win it was, how bad of a loss, et cetera. And then from there, it tells you whether the team is improving or getting worse during as the season goes along. Huh. So we're going to tack that along on this year to see whether they're trending upward or 
not too many teams this far in the playoffs are trending down. That doesn't usually happen. Some are trending upward greatly. Some are just kind of treading water. And we'll include that on our games here before we pick them this week. Some might not have much room to improve. There is that always. You've been winning every game. It's hard to tell if you're doing worse. So as usual, we're going to start with Division 2. And in Region 8, the top seed undefeated Piqua is playing against the seventh seed, 10-3 and three Cincinnati Winton Woods. Piqua has the higher seed. Piqua has 33% more computer points. Cal Preps likes Piqua 26-22, so a four-point game it predicts. They have played no common opponents this year. Cal Preps says Piqua is trending slightly upward, while Winton Woods is sharply upward. It says Winton Woods has <laughs> been doing a whole lot better, which maybe not surprising. They had three losses in the regular season, but they're still alive now in the playoffs. So, Coach, your choice. Would you like to make your pick first? Uh, sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll go with Piqua. It's hard to bet against a 12-0 team. Winning 12 games in a row is not easy. That's kind of a trend. We notice, especially we mention it in college football a lot when we're watching our Bearcats, and winning is hard. It doesn't matter who your conference is. Winning is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, I also agree with Piqua. Who you got, I'm going to be leaning pretty heavily on Cal Preps because I'm trying to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> so, yeah, Piqua. Also, it's got the advantage of being a West Central Ohio team, not quite in the Cincinnati circle, and we, we tend to like those better. We tend to like teams north of Dayton over teams from Cincinnati, but that rules for smaller division teams generally. Division two, little iffier. I'll apply it to, to Piqua. I think they deserve a shot. So we start out with no controversy. Everyone agrees, right? We're leaning on that top seed, even though it doesn't really matter at this point. Our next game, Division 4, Region 14. The three seed, Van Wert. If you remember last week, they were the team that had 0.006% more computer points than their opponent. Yeah. And they ended up winning by a bunch. Yeah, so maybe they didn't get as many computer points as the quality of the team indicates. That's kind of what I'm thinking. They are playing Port Clinton, the fourth seed, who is 12 and 1. Both teams are 12 and 1, actually. Van Wert, 5% more computer points, but Cal Preps likes Van Wert by two touchdowns, 42 to 28. That's kind of a high scoring game, too. Once again, no common opponents, which is kind of a theme this week, you will notice. I'm not really surprised by that. It'll get worse next week. Mm hmm. <laughs> Van Wert is the top team in the in the Division Four, according to Cal Preps. And Cal Preps says they are trending sharply upward, while Port sharply Clinton, yeah, Port Clinton is trending neutral. That doesn't sound impressive. Neutral, does it? No. Of course, if you're winning everything, staying the same is pretty good, right? Yeah, but they're not though. There was a dip in there. So they is the neutral wins. towards the dip, or is it towards the winning? I believe that means when they lost, they were probably expected to lose. Oh, either way, I'm going to go with Van Wert. That seems like the the evidence is pointing towards another victory. What do you think, Coach? I'll go with Van Wert too. My uh, my cousin's marrying someone that graduated from Van Wert, so I got to pick them. <laughs> Just in case they listen to this and it comes back <laughs> up at the reception, huh? Right there, you go. <laughs> oh boy, a WBL team, huh? 
don't we have kind of a thing about not picking against WBL and MAC teams? Yeah. Okay, Van Word it is. <laughs> of course, that'll be put to the test next. In Division Five, Region 18, we have the two seed, Elyria Catholic, who is 11 and 2, playing against the five seed, Ottawa Glandorf, who is 10 and 3, and doing very well in the playoffs for being about the number four team in the WBL. Elyria Catholic has 26% more computer points. Cal Prep says this is the game to buy a ticket to. It predicts Elyria Catholic 28 to 27. Once again, no common opponents. Cal Preps has both teams trending sharply upward. Any thoughts on this one, Coach? Do you know anything about Elyria Catholic? I, I don't. I know uh, Otto Glandorf is, I mean, they're just a powerhouse in most sports. So, I mean, I, I'm going to go with Otto Glandorf. I know their girls' soccer team just, they either win or runner up in the state for soccer. I'm not sure which one, but, but yeah, I'm going to go with Otto Glandorf. I'm going to go with coach there, Rebecca. I'm taking Ottawa Glandorf too. It's a mild upset, but they seem to me like they've been hot lately. I I don't know why you needed to defend yourself to me. That seems like a great choice, in my opinion. I like OG. They're Alrighty. good. Need an upset every once in a while. By the way, since coach kind of brought up the subject of other championships or wins at a school, I'd like to throw out a little congratulations to a the new Knoxville girls volleyball team won the division four state volleyball championship this last week. Found it intriguing. They said there are 36 girls in the whole high school, approximately nine per grade. So that's a pretty impressive pulling a state volleyball team championship team off of that small of a uh, student pool there. Mm-hmm. Also Ottawa Glendorf's girls came uh, runner up runner up in, in division three state football soccer soccer not football <laughs> yeah we're not watching ted lasso here it's soccer yeah athletes. yeah they lost to waynesville hmm. i would not have thought of waynesville as a soccer powerhouse but guess they could be learn something new every podcast right rebecca <laughs> <laughs> what's the saying once you learn something new you're done for the day i'm done for the day i don't have to learn anything else all night turn it off let's go <laughs> I can just sit down, watch some good Maction football tonight, maybe Toledo versus Ohio University, something like that, and just veg out. <laughs> but we're not to that point yet. Also in Division 5 in Region 20, we have the team that keeps surprising me, the third seed, Preble Shawnee, still undefeated at 13-0, playing Versailles, the fifth seed, at 12-1. Preble Shawnee has 8% more computer points, but Cal Preps, as usual, Cal Preps loves its Mac. Mm-hmm. It picks for sales 38 to 14 in a 24 point ooh, favorite. That's over three touchdowns. Once again, no common opponents here, although those two schools are not that far apart. Probably about a county. For sales is trending slightly upward. It says Preble Shawnee's trending neutral. I think they're trending a little better than that from what I've seen. Uh, did a little research. Preble Shawnee has never faced an MAC team in the playoffs. Never a good sign. Versailles has gone 33 and 7 against non MAC teams in the playoffs back before they joined the MAC. They've gone 14 and 3 against non MAC teams in the playoffs since they joined the MAC. So the trend seems to be Versailles wins playoff games. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to pick against the Mac on a good day. And I, I don't know if Preble Shawnee does it for me. I will 
take mine first here this or second this time, I guess. I will also take for sales. Do you have any ideas, Coach? You know, I'll uh, I'll do the same because I mean the Mac. I'm just following them for years, and it's amazing what they can do in that conference. It's really impressive. Well, this is just no fun at all. We're agreeing on everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, heading down to the smaller schools, Division Six. We got three regions. We got we have three. We, got we have three regions to worry about here. My wife would kill me if she hears the we got, but anyway, so <laughs> that will be edited out. I mean. If her text message isn't anything to go by, she didn't listen to last week's until today. So if, if you left it in, you'd have a, a week of, of peace before she came for you. <laughs> yes, I saw the text message just before we started where she congratulated Rebecca on using the word bias correctly. Last I did week. it right. <laughs> All those years of sewing and I got it down. I just nodded my head. I had no idea. So. <laughs> Back to region 22. We have the three seed 12 and one carry playing the five seed Liberty Center at 11 and two. And as we mentioned earlier, big upset winners over Archbold last week. This one looks quite intriguing. Carry has 1% more computer points than Liberty Center. Cal Preps favors carry 28 to 27. So by one point, both teams played 10 and two defiance Tenora. Carey beat them 20 to nothing, but in week 12, Liberty Center beat them 23 to 21, but way back in week one. Cal Prep says Carey is trending sharply upward. Liberty Center is only neutral. Any ideas, coach? I got to go with Liberty Center. Our, uh, our van director, actually one of my friends, he's the van director there now. So um, if he listens, you know, he'll be a little upset with me if I don't pick them. So I'll go with LC. Well, everything I see on here says I ought to pick Carrie, so I'm picking Liberty Center. <laughs> I'm going to be contrarian and go with Carrie. You're going against the home of that Pizzanella's pizza chain there in, in Liberty Center, huh? I'm trusting the statistics for once. <laughs> and it may well pay off. I think this may just be the Liberty Center season of destiny. How does that sound? The Liberty Center season of destiny, you said? That's what I said. I can feel it. <laughs> Deep in your bones. <laughs> Moving over to region 23. We keep thinking all year we could not worry about this region if West Jefferson would ever lose, but they just keep winning. We're supposed to be rooting for the people we're following, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. In that oh. region this week, we have the top seed. Beverly Fort Fry is 10 and 1. And they are hosting the three seed, West Jefferson, who's 12 and one. Fort Fry is one of those teams I was kind of eyeing way back in the preseason as a division six favorite. And they're still here. So keep an eye on them. Fort Fry has 29% more computer points. Cal Preps likes Fort Fry to win 31 to 22. No common opponents again. It says here, though, Fort Fry is trending slightly downward. Hmm. That's our first slightly downward, isn't it? They must have had a lot of momentum going in if they've been trending downward. West Jefferson is trending neutral, so there's not like there's a big difference between the two. They found their sweet spot and they're sticking in it. What's your pick, Coach? Uh, I'll go with West Jefferson. No reason, just made me upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to pick the upset. 
think more work for dad is always a good thing. <laughs> I believe we said last week, when in doubt, take West Jeff, right? Yeah. I'm taking Fort Fry. I don't have any doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the downward trend. Yes. That does concern me, but only slightly, because they're only slightly downward. <laughs> and finally, our Southwest region of Division Six. Intriguing, it's the Southwest region, and we have the two seed Allen East, who's 10 and three against the four seed 11 and two Coldwater. None of those teams seem very much Southwest to me. We're kind of in the Northern edge of that region. There might've been a little bit of gerrymandering going on in the division breakup, but. No, the, the coaches and, that, and the state that puts that together, they wouldn't do any gerrymandering, would they? a sports coach or a sports organization wouldn't play games with things like that would they they should just put a nice big grid across the map of ohio and draw three nope two straight lines and that's your regions and you move the intersection point until it all evens out right yeah but not too much because it's still got to be squares (laughs) that's the math people in us right right (laughs) Back to our stats here. Allen East actually has 7% more computer points, even with one more loss than Coldwater. Cal Preps likes Coldwater by 10 points, 31 21. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of common opponents in this game. Both teams played six and seven Anna. Coldwater beat Anna 42 to seven back in week six. Allen East beat Anna 45 to 30 last week. So both teams put up the points on Anna, that's for sure. They both played three and eight Delphus Jefferson, and I was intrigued. Both of them only won that game by two touchdowns. Delphus Jefferson must be a little better than that three and eight record indicates. Allen East is trending slightly downward. Coldwater is trending neutral, it says. Neutral Coldwater is still dangerous. Well, Coach, we'll let, we'll let you know that we're probably both taking the MAC team, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'll take Coldwater. I also have Coldwater historically 74 and 16 in playoff games against non-MAC teams. Wow. Oh my goodness. First of all, 74 playoff wins. That's they've only been 90 playoff appearances against non-MAC teams. Yes. Wow. That's That's a lot. That's impressive on its own. I, I forget what the number is, but they're on something like their 20th consecutive playoff season this year. Something outrageous like that. Yeah. I should probably have looked it up, but once again, I have failed in preparation. That one's not something I can easily Google. So I actually have a file on my computer where I can find it easy enough, but maybe we'll save it for next week. Yeah, it's pretty presumptuous you picking them for next week that definitively. Well, worst comes to worst, if they lose, I could put it in the scores of the week and mention it then, right? There you go. I shouldn't say all that stuff. Remember, we're trying to talk that cold water coach into being on sometime in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me he's he'll be okay with it. <laughs> and it's not the playoffs. Listening. Anything can happen. Yeah, he might be a little busy this week, right? He also might be a little busy. All right, we have two games in Division 7. Our first one is Region 26. Hopefully, Coach can help us out with this school. Hopewell Loudon is the top seed. They are 12-1, and one, and they are playing the third seed, Lima Central Catholic, who is 11-2. and two. 
Do you know anything about Hopewell Loudon, Coach? I, I really don't. We, you know, we played them, um, I don't know, 2013, 2014, but I, I haven't really, I don't know much about them, but I'm going to pick them. I know we haven't talked about anything like that, but I think they're, I think they're a good team just by seeing them highlights and stuff. So. All righty. Well, Hopewell Loudon actually has 7% more computer points. Cal Preps likes LCC by just four points. So 31 to 27, no common opponents, which kind of surprised me. I know LCC with their schedule, they kind of get around the state. So I was kind of surprised there wasn't a common opponent there. Hopewell Loudon is trending slightly downward. LCC is trending neutral. And the one that I found most interesting, if you go back one year, the 2020 playoffs, LCC beat Hopewell Loudon 62 to 20 last year. But that was a loaded LCC team last year, by the way. Of course, I'm picking them anyway, Rebecca. I've got LCC myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to go with Cal Preps again. <laughs> That's, you sound less just, than confident on that pick, Rebecca. I mean, we've seen that seeding and computer points, while helpful early, are not a strong indicator anymore. So I'm kind of just going off vibes at this point. Hey, if you're still if you're still alive now, maybe it doesn't really matter much what you did. Way I back, would say right? so, yeah. No, no, coach. What do you think on that subject? If you're playing this a game and if you're playing good or bad near the end of the season, does it matter much what happened six weeks or eight weeks earlier? I mean, uh, I would say at some point, you know, you kind of hit your stride and you kind of figure out what, what, what works for you and you stick with it. You know, I know for us and you know, we, we, we figured out, you know, what was going to be good offensively and we kind of went with it the rest of the season. So I think early on, you know, you don't want to lose a game, but you know, if you have to, I guess, lose one early and you'll pick up from there. (laughs) I think that's something that's kind of intriguing with the move to the 16 teams per region, the playoffs this year, instead of the eight that wins and losses in the first couple of weeks, aren't quite so important. And you could teams that are finding their way early, maybe have a lot of players to replace and don't quite hit their stride early in their season, hit it late and maybe make a big playoff run. Right. Yeah, or an, or an early, early loss could kind of humble some of the guys and then make them work a little harder for the rest of the season. I know that's what happened to my, my team when I was a senior. We lost one early to a Rodgers team and, and kind of gave us momentum for the rest of the year. And that brings us to our final game. Oh, boy. <laughs> In Region 28, we have the top seed, undefeated Marion Local, is playing the sixth seed, 10-3 and St. Henry. Mm-hmm. Marion Local has 75% more computer points. For the first time in the playoffs, Cal Preps predicts Marion Local will not put a running clock on their opponent. <laughs> Cal Preps says Marion Local only wins 27 to 8. In the regular season, back in week four, Marion Local beat St. Henry by a score of 20 to 7. So about a two-score game. This would be the fourth time these two teams have met in the playoffs. St. Henry beat Marion Local back in 1993, but Marion Local got back at them in 2012 and 2016 in playoff games. Cal Preps thinks Marion Local is actually trending slightly downward, while St. Henry is trending slightly upward. And St. Henry did look pretty good last week. I got to see part of that game. I'll go first. I'm still taking Marion Local, though. 
but I'm thinking only a score or two. I'm thinking we're going to have a little closer game. How about you, Rebecca? Look at that thinking. I can see the I can see the gears turning. Everything in me says Marion Local all the way. There's no doubt it's Marion Local. That being said, I want to pick St. Henry. It feels like a fun week for upsets. And there's, again, no logic there. It just, I think they could do it. Well, we talked last week, and I'd like to ask Coach about this. Our guest mentioned how if it's easy to beat a team twice if you're a whole lot better than the other team. If the talent gap is a lot closer, beating them a second time can be quite difficult. Would that be your experience, Coach? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've had the opportunity to play everyone in our league twice the last two years since there's only, you know, a handful of eight-man teams. And so, you know, we, we really figured that out with, with, with St. Mary's this year especially. You know, they were pretty equal with talent, and it was, you know, it was a lot harder to find ways to beat them the second time because they kind of knew what we had. They, we knew what they had, and, you know, we kind of, you know, it was, it, was, it was a lot harder the second time for sure. Is there – I know, I imagine you probably try to fight this, but is there a tendency, maybe more if you won the first time, to just want to stick with what got you there the first time and more a tendency if you lost the first time to try new things? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know for us, like like I said earlier, you know, we, we hardly threw the ball. I think we had, you know, less than 100 yards in our first three league games this year, you know, 100 yards passing. Then every every league game in the second half, we had, we had over 150 so in each game, so it was, it was a lot different. So for sure, you know, you definitely, it, I think if you lose, you try new stuff um, just because you kind of have to, to kind of figure out what's going to, what's going to work. And on that front, do you have a guess for this last game? You know, it's hard to pick against Marion local. However, I know last week um, Wheelersburg lost big to Ironton and, and then they beat them. And then Liberty center also lost big to Archibald in the regular season and they beat them. So I'm going to you know, stick with that trend. I'm going to go with St. Henry, actually, with, you know, it, Mary Locals, they're just a powerhouse, and they, they've been for a really long time. So it's hard to pick against them, but, you know, why not? Let's try it. St. Henry. All right. And we wouldn't be all that upset. We had St. Henry's coach on as a guest last year, and he was quite entertaining, wasn't he, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. We would have no trouble with the St. Henry win in that game. Not that we have anything against Marion Local either, right? <laughs> Although you would think we would, because I think the only time we had the coach in for the uh, podcast, we lost that recording. Yes, I messed up the audio and ruined so, the whole thing. So <laughs> the podcast has a vendetta against Marion Local. <laughs> We're fine with him. I actually worked as a substitute teacher for Marion Local coach Goodwin several times, who is also a math teacher, by the way. always enjoyed substituting for coach Goodwin so we've gotten along well through the years he never complained and had me banned from coming back so I must have done good enough (laughs) and he would leave out all his scouting material on the tables like he was tempting me to look up (laughs) not that I would have known what any of it meant anyway but you know that would have been kind of immoral so you know trying to catch you on uh, football espionage charges It might have been fake stuff, too. He might have been trying to get it. You never know. A, <laughs> I bet that good one's a sneaky guy, you know. <laughs> all right, so there's our nine games this week. Next week, we'll have all 14 state semifinal games. And I believe we have a, a former state championship football coach lined up for that podcast. I won't say his name now in case things change, but we're looking good at the moment. 
We really appreciate you having you on the podcast with us, Coach. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Yeah, we we really kind of are intrigued by the eight-man football and mm-hmm. like to follow it. If you go to my website, if you just search Bruce Monin's computer points or something like that on your <laughs> Google or DuckDuckGo. We're so very good at advertising ourselves. Aren't we, though? <laughs> You will find I did, I have been tracking computer points for eight-man football. I just ranked all the eight-man teams one level below Division Seven on the computer points. Awesome. Went from there. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much. You know, I I, I, I want people to know that, you know, eight-man football is, it's high-level football. I mean, it's high-level, and you know, we have a lot of fun, and it gives our guys opportunities. And, um, you know, out of the 20 guys we, we have, I think 10 of them play basketball, you know, I think seven or eight of them play baseball. So we got a lot of multi-sport guys, just like all small schools. And it's, 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 a, it's a good experience and it's good, it's good football. Since I have you here, I just suddenly remembered something I'd been thinking about all year and forgot to ever ask anyone. You changed things this year where instead of getting all of your games in in the first 10 weeks, since you didn't have playoffs, you kind of did like the NFL and stretched it out your regular season to 11 weeks and put buys in there. I'm assuming that was to help scheduling. Yeah, that was that was to help scheduling and um, to give opportunities. If if there was teams like New London, for example, uh, New London, you know, they they had to go eight man this year and next year we have them on the schedule as well. So you know, we kind of open things up. If if a team fell into the same spot that that we did in the past, and kind of let them, hey, you know, we, we have spots for you guys to play. It seemed like it worked pretty well. It looked it seemed like it was always. Always someone seemed to be off every week, but that was a, either from COVID or because of the openings in the schedule there. But I thought yeah. it made a lot of sense for making the schedule easier. If you don't have playoffs to schedule for, why yeah. squeeze it all in those first 10 weeks, right? Right. And then uh, next year, we're actually planning a, a league championship, like a semifinal and a final. So it'll, it'll be kind of a, a different feel. And it's something, you know, for the guys to work for. So that season just doesn't end at after week 10, you know, we have, and we have a little a little playoff with the teams that are, that are doing it. So, any uh, idea how you're picking those teams? Straight league standings? Yeah, we're gonna go. Uh, so we've done every we've done the last two years. We play everyone twice, and then next year we're going to play everyone once. And then the top four are gonna be um, in 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 the in the final four. And then so we'll play one and four, two and three, and then the winner of both of those will play for the championship. And then five and six will play each other as well to, to give them an extra game as well. So. All right. We'll look forward to seeing that then. Awesome. Rebecca, I think we you mentioned we skipped this last week. Will you want to tell people where to send their questions to us? Yes, of course. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, if you want to tell me about how I got some facts wrong or fun facts about football fields in the future, you can send those to bdmonin at nktelco.net or tweet them or direct message on Twitter at Bruce Monin. And either way, we will get those. I will be having a nice, easy week. I'll be sitting back watching my Bearcat Saturday, watching old psych episodes on TV probably all week. Because mm-hmm. that's what retired people do. Although you're going to have to wait for the podcast to release more episodes. Otherwise, you'll get ahead of it. There was a new one that just dropped today. So it's only like a little 14-minute podcast. So I'm excited. There you go. Well, that's what we'll be doing. Hopefully what you will be doing is tuning in next week for our next episode of Bruce Bonin's Computer Points. So long, everyone. <laughs>